Christchurch, New Malden, 22nd of September 2019, 9.30 service. Becky Mills speaking in the series, Jesus Shows God's Covenant's Love. So in this sermon series at the 9.30, we're exploring God's covenant love and how it's shown in Jesus. In ancient times, covenant was an agreement made between two people or groups of people where promises were exchanged. And God made a pact with his people and promised way back then that he would hold them in a relationship of love and faithfulness forever. And his people agreed to worship him only, obey him faithfully and live blamelessly. And if the people strayed away from their side of the bargain, they wouldn't be able to experience the fruits of living a godly life. They would be cut off from God's covenant blessings. But the covenant agreement would still stand because God wants to draw every living person into a relationship of mutual love and faithfulness. And God's love and faithfulness are perfectly expressed in the person of Jesus. The passage that we heard read earlier is immensely powerful. It's like a brilliant artist who, who can capture a figure in a few brushstrokes. Because in this symbolic act of foot washing, Jesus perfectly captures the different aspects of God's love for us and sets the pattern for our daily lives. Firstly, it's an act of loving service, anticipating Jesus' self-sacrificial death. Jesus loved his disciples to the end, meaning not just to the end of his life, but utterly and completely, just like he loves us. He's the servant who stays loyal and faithful to the utmost, even laying down his life for his master. Secondly, it's an act of cleansing. We're all familiar with the idea of water cleansing and refreshing us. And when Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples, he's showing that he will cleanse our hearts. And this anticipates God's cleansing us from sin through Jesus' death on a cross. Jesus must wash us if we are to belong to him. And to be followers of Jesus, we need regular day-to-day -day washing of those grubby parts of our personality and character. Thirdly, and this is the point I would like to major on, the foot washing is an act of intimacy and tenderness, anticipating the God-filled resurrection life we share with one another in the body of Christ and in the wider world. So let's look at the passage itself first and appreciate the wonder of what's going on. So in verse 3 it says, And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and he'd come from God and was returning to God. In other words, he was fully aware of his unique status before he took on the role of a slave, whose job it was in ancient time to wash people's dirty feet. It may be a pleasure washing our children's feet, even when they're dirty and tenderly soaping between their little toes. But it's a different thing altogether, washing a pair of adult feet, isn't it? Our feet are not a pretty sight, are they? 
And the idea of washing dirty, dusty and smelly feet is, is frankly a bit unpleasant. But Jesus, taking off his outer garment, wearing nothing but his flimsy tunic, fills a basin with water, puts a towel around his waist and starts washing the feet of his disciples. He comes to Peter to wash his feet. Peter looks at him. You! Wash my feet. Jesus says, you cannot understand now, but you will understand later. And Peter says, no, you shall never wash my feet. Peter has a sense of hierarchy. He has a sense of how society is shaped. There are a few people at the top of the pyramid and an immense number at the bottom. In those days, those at the bottom were women, children, slaves, people with disease or disabilities, people who were mentally ill, tax collectors, prostitutes, people who were poor and destitute, broken and alone. What would you do if an honoured guest appeared in, our, in your home and started washing the dishes, washing the floor, and maybe even washing the toilets? What would your attitude be? No, please go and, and sit down in the living room. We'll get some food ready for you. We want to serve you, not you serve us. We like transactions, don't we? We're uncomfortable with gratuitous kindness. I remember when I moved to our current house, I'd cleaned everything meticulously that I was leaving behind. But the things that were moving with us the kitchen appliances and all sorts of other paraphernalia I hadn't been so particular about. But my home group leader at the time insisted on scrubbing the fridge freezer and cooker inside and out, which was so kind, but also it was discomforting in a way. The idea of allowing someone else to clean up your dirt. My initial reaction was to resist. And Peter has the same resistance to Jesus kneeling down at his feet. And maybe it's a normal and natural reaction. What is more surprising is the reaction of Jesus. Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. In other words, if I cannot wash your feet, you're no longer my disciple. You can't be cleansed and renewed ready to accept God's love and faithfulness and equipped to further God's kingdom. Well, they're not my feet, my head and my hands also, says Peter. He's a devoted follower of Jesus, but he's panicking, isn't he? He hadn't thought Jesus was going to stake so much importance on the washing of feet. Jesus finishes washing their feet, and then he puts the bowl of water aside, takes off the towel, and puts on his outer garment again. And he says, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you must also wash each other's feet. I have done this as an example for you. Jesus has set a pattern for us to follow. So how are we then to live? 
Firstly, he's asking us to treat people, especially vulnerable people, like our guests in the night shelter and our friends at Grapevine and the community cafe, with a deep respect. Our hands, and not just our voices, become vehicles of the love of Jesus. We're physically present for them, ready to serve them with our whole selves. The word became flesh so that our flesh may become word. Our flesh can reveal to people that they're cherished and loved by God. Jesus, as he knelt down in front of the feet of his disciples, knows that on the following day he will die. But he wants to have a moment with each disciple. When you talk with a whole group, you don't have that individual contact with each person. Jesus wants that contact with each one. He wants to touch them. He wants to touch their feet, to touch them with immense respect, tenderness, and love. There's a moment of communion. There is communion when Jesus says a little later, do this in memory of me. But there's also communion when Jesus kneels at their feet. And Jesus washing the feet of the disciples is showing us something else. He reveals to them that each one of them is chosen to continue his mission, just as we are. To announce the good news to the poor, freedom to captives, sight to the blind, liberty to the oppressed, and to announce a year of grace and forgiveness. Jesus came to transform that pyramid into which society is shaped into a body. That pyramid is where a few have power and privileges and wealth, and at the bottom is the immense number of the poor and broken. Every one of us here, we exercise power in some way as parents, carers, teachers, group or team leaders, managers, pastors, lay ministers or priests. And Jesus, as he kneels at our feet, is saying, I want you to exercise your authority in love. As a good shepherd who gives his life for his sheep, he wants us to exercise authority with tenderness. It's not easy to be in authority, to help our charges to gradually come to freedom and not be there to control them. Instead, we have to help each one of them to become themselves. So when Jesus is at our feet, he's teaching us how he wants us to exercise authority. Not from the top of the hierarchy, but by, by being close to people, affirming them, encouraging them, calling them forth to exercise their gifts, helping them to grow. Jesus wants us to be people of the resurrection, people who stand out, people who believe in ourselves and in our gifts so that we can bring our gifts through the Holy Spirit to one another and to a broken world. That's why Paul, in the first letter to the Corinthians, talks about the church as a body, where every person is different and everyone is important where the hand is different to the foot and the eye is different to the ear and so on. And he goes on to say that those parts of the body which are the least presentable, the weakest, 
are necessary to the body and should be honoured. And I believe Paul is saying that the most vulnerable people among us should receive the greatest honour. And Jesus is saying still more. He wants us to discover the church as a body where each one is important. Where leadership is important too, because the body needs the element of leadership, but we're all together as brothers and sisters in the same body. Jesus is saying something important about the relationship between the master and the slave as well. He's reminding us that we must be attentive to the most insignificant, to the weakest, to the poorest, to those who are the most broken and vulnerable, because God is living there. Jesus insists that we are called to wash each other's feet. Jesus is saying that we must be, all of us together, servants of one another, serving each other, empowering each other, we mustn't put people down to amuse others and bolster our own vanity. We're there to serve each other and to love each other, not to indulge in dehumanizing criticism or mockery. The times when we can be absolutely sure that we're wasting words are when we're reinforcing our reputation or defending our position at somebody else's expense. I can think of an example of doing exactly that myself in the past week. It's easy to do, isn't it? So we have to be with each other with words that are not flowing from our darkness and our need for power and superiority, but from a desire for oneness. A, one, a oneness is not exclusion of difference. Oneness is not fusion. We're called to be in communion, to forgive each other, to serve each other, and discover that we're all called to walk the path of faith together. Some of us come from very different backgrounds. We each have our own character traits. We have our own fragility and our own need to feel significant. We all like to create our own spheres of influence, of power, and we enjoy exercising it. The test of our leaders and all of us is our willingness to do the little, annoying, messy things. You may not have caught our vicar and youth worker with a hammer, screwdriver, or paintbrush. I have. But you've seen them both in the kitchen, serving refreshments and putting away the chairs after the 6.30 service. And it's our willingness to do the little, annoying, messy things. Things slaves would have done in the ancient world. Things in our world which we secretly hope someone else would do, so we don't have to demean ourselves by doing them. And that's the real test. We should be looking away from ourselves and at the wider world we're supposed to be serving. Where the world's needs meet our calling is where we should be, ready to take on insignificant roles if that's what God wants, or to be public, publicly visible if that's what we've been called to do and be. This couple have chosen to express their tenderness, intimacy, love and service, loyalty and faithfulness to one another with a foot washing ceremony at their wedding. As they enter this new relationship, it's more than a symbol. It's a vow to always lift one another up, 
even at a great cost to themselves. It's a reminder to love and serve like Jesus has so greatly loved and served us, even and especially in the mess of ordinary everyday life. What a display of love. A love that will bend as low as necessary to rescue and lift up. A love that would enter into the mess so it could make things clean again. That's God's covenant love and faithfulness home to perfection. This is what Jesus not only does for us, but calls us to do for one another. Vow to follow that pattern Jesus has set for us. It will be a labor of love, beset with frustrations. But those who get on with whatever work God has given them to do with servant love are given an extraordinary status and privilege. We are servants of Christ, washers of feet. As servants, we rise up. Be that sign of resurrection in our world. Amen.